In telling the story of the life and ministry of Jesus, Luke, the writer of the third gospel, likes to tell the story in twos for the purpose of comparison and contrast. For example, two women expecting a baby, two old saints waiting for the Messiah, two sisters welcoming Jesus into their home. And in particular, Luke likes to compare and contrast how two people respond to God. Think with me about the parable of the prodigal son. There was a man who had two sons. Or how about the Pharisee and the tax collector? Remember, two men went up to the temple to pray. It's also true at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. Now, after being falsely accused by his enemies and abandoned by his friends, Jesus of Nazareth is not left alone to die. Rather, he is crucified in the company of two other men, criminals, enemies of the state. Listen to verses 32 and 33 again. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Here at the end, the very end of Jesus's earthly public ministry, we are given a picture of two very different responses, two different answers to the central question that Jesus asked during the time of his earthly ministry. And that question is this, who do you say that I am? That question is still being asked today. Well, let's compare and contrast these two men on either side of Jesus. Put simply, on the one hand, literally on the one side, is a response of unbelief and rejection. And on the other hand, on the other side of Jesus, is a response of belief and and acceptance. Let's now pay attention and listen closely to this conversation that's taking place on the cross. Listen once again to verses 39 through 43. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Think with me about the request of the first criminal. What's his request? Are you not the Christ? His request is selfish. It's a desperate cry of a man looking to prolong his physical life. He tries to identify himself and the other criminal with Jesus. Yet on the other hand, on the other side of Jesus, is another criminal who requests only that Jesus Remember him. Not only that, let's consider what's taking place before he makes his request. First, 
He rebukes his partner in crime. Then, amazingly, he declares his guilt and he proclaims Jesus' innocence. And unlike the first criminal, he doesn't identify with Jesus at all. Rather, he distances himself from Jesus. Well, what is going on here? You may recall at the beginning of his earthly public ministry, Jesus announced, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now at the very end of Jesus' earthly public ministry, we see a man responding to this declaration and demand of Jesus in repentance and faith. He is turning from his sin and he's turning to faith in Christ. He recognizes both his guilt and Jesus' innocence. And then he makes a request. And in asking Jesus to remember him, he echoes those who have asked the Lord to remember the promises he has made to his people. And one of the promises that Jesus made during his ministry is that whoever comes to him, he will never cast away. He will never drive out. I believe this man, this criminal, is learning the two lessons that John Newton, the author of the hymn Amazing Grace, learned. Newton said this, When I was young, I was sure of many things. There are only two things of which I am sure now. One is that I am a miserable sinner. And the other, that Jesus Christ is an all-sufficient Savior. He is well taught who gets these two lessons. This criminal, a religious and social outsider, is given insight into the identity and status of Jesus. He appeals to him not as the Christ, but as Jesus, the one whose very name means he will save his people from their sins. He addresses his request not only to Jesus, the Savior, but also to Jesus the King as he speaks of Jesus' kingdom. You see, Jesus, this criminal recognizes, is both Savior and Lord. Now, with absolutely no merit of his own, this unnamed criminal clings to mercy alone. Salvation by works, that is what you do to get right with God, are you kidding me? The convert on the cross has his hands and his feet tied. Actually, he has his hands and feet driven into the wood by nails. He couldn't do anything. Anything other than believe in Jesus and trust him. This is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone according to Scripture alone, and all for God's glory alone. And how does Jesus respond? On the one hand, to the first criminal, you know how Jesus responds? It's the sound of silence. Jesus does not answer the first man. On the other hand, Jesus responds not with silence, but with a word of promise, a gracious word of assurance. And what does Jesus say? 
Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus promises to save this man immediately, eternally, personally, graciously, and certainly. My friends, this is absolutely wild, staggering, crazy, insane. This is, all, this is a crazy statement to make. Unless, of course, it's true. It's been said that one thief was saved so that no sinner might despair, but only one so that no sinner might presume. Those of you here who by repentance and faith have entered the kingdom, for those of you who have believed the good news of the gospel, you know what I'm talking about. Being in a restored and right-standing relationship with the living and true God through the person and work of Jesus right now, at this very moment, is paradise. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Then, as well as now, response to Jesus divides the world. What's your answer to this life-defining question of Jesus? Who do you say that I am? These two criminals hanging on their crosses beside Jesus represent every person and every person's response to Jesus. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has rebelled. Everyone, you and me, we have turned away from the living and true God and everyone will die. Yet while this is true for everyone, only some believe and receive, while others do not believe and reject. So in view of our text today, here's the question that cannot but be asked at this very moment. On which side of Jesus are you hanging? For those of you who have received and are resting in Christ alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel, rest assured. Rest assured that for us and for our salvation, Jesus Christ lived a life of perfect obedience that we should live and he died a sin-atoning death for the rebellious life that we do live. He did this for us and in our place, both as our representative and as our substitute. And so this word of Jesus from, this, from the cross, this word of assurance, is really the final word that you and I need to hear. Indeed, in the words of the hymn, How Firm a Foundation, what more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Indeed, what more can Jesus say to all of those who have come to him in repentance and faith than truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen.